Hey fam, it's Tay. I just wanted to jump in here before the episode starts and let you know that my audio was once again recorded on the wrong microphone during this episode. I'm really sorry. I literally double checked everything. I even did a test recording and it was all correct. And then for some reason, the entire episode recorded, I guess, out of my webcam mic. So it's not great. I do apologize. Truthfully, I can't say this will never happen again because I literally double checked everything and it still happened. So sometimes audio just glitches, I guess. But I apologize. Um, This is a really fun episode, so I hope you'll endure the poor sound quality from me. And um, hopefully this won't happen again. (laughs) Oh, man, it just really sucks when you try so hard. I've tried so hard and got so far. And in the end, it didn't even matter. Oh, well, enjoy the rest of the episode. It's the Lost Years Pod, Lost Years Pod, running through this show called Boy Meets World, is what we're doing, Sid and Tay are your friends who will always stand by you, it's the Lost Years Pod. Hello and welcome to the Lost Years, a retrospective fan cast. I'm Sid. I'm Tay. And welcome to season four, episode 28. I actually didn't realize that until you said it out loud. See, the thing is, I didn't either. I was looking at the number and I was like, 420. Yeah. <laughs> then we immediately went gremlin mode. <laughs> God, I love it. Oh, God. You know what? No banter. What were you nostalgic for this weekend? <laughs> uh, musical auditions. Oh, cute. My Facebook feed reminded me that this time of year was musical season for me back in high school. Um, mm-hmm. And granted, I only did theater for about four years, but it was some of the best years of my life. And especially in musical auditions, they were just so much fun because the first two years I auditioned for the chorus and obviously got that because everybody needs an ensemble. Um, (laughs) But junior and senior year, I auditioned for some leads and it was my first time putting myself out there. And just the whole process of having to come in with the song and getting to speak some lines and then getting paired with people um, based on, you know, them trying to figure out who they actually wanted to cast and everything was an extremely fun time and stressful. But especially senior year, it was really fun because because it was like, not that I was guaranteed a lead, but there were a group of us that we were like, I feel like this is going to be what the cast is. And then it ended up shaking out that way. And it was really fun. But just based on the auditions and then doing callbacks and everything and being there kind of super late. And we were there the same day. We waited for like 30 minutes and then they put the list up. And so that was just a just a special time. I miss it a lot. <laughs> Mostly just miss putting myself out there because I don't do that often now <laughs> in this way. Yeah to kind of flex my creative self or artistic yeah. self. And yeah. so that's a thing that I miss. I love that. Yeah. I miss musicals so bad. Yeah, man. I didn't get to do acting in high school, theater in high school, acting, theater in high school. Um, the most I really ever like got into was my speech team. Like we had dramatic like acting yeah. um, events and speech, but I always wanted to do theater. I did theater in middle school. Um, I auditioned for one of the musicals and I didn't get it. And then 
it started floating around that the director of all the musicals, the only theater teacher we had in the school, was like very favoritism and very and like a little bit racist. And uh, okay. that in retrospect seems really true, like truer than I realized when I was a child. <laughs> but I remember not getting cast for the musical when I was in seventh grade and seeing the cast list, thinking thinking that I would get something. I, like even not because I'd gotten cast in the previous show. Yeah. Um, and I got nothing and I was like, I like leaned on my friend's shoulder who was also looking at the cast list and she, and I just like sniffled and she's like, are you okay? And I burst into tears. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I was like, I really wanted to get in and I didn't, but I ended up, uh, cause I was in choir. So we ended up still being the like choir during yeah. the musical. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. We just like sat on the sides of the orchestra or sides of the like, uh, gym where our stage was and, uh, just like added fills for the stage, which was very funny. Hmm. Yeah, that's the only that's the only musical experience because I didn't try out when I was in eighth grade. I'm not sure why, hmm. or maybe I. D- oh, you know what? I did it because of all the racism things, and <laughs> also the theater teacher like wrote the musical, like he did an original show. Oh, that's so bold. Our eighth grade year, it was so weird. I remember it being so weird. So yeah, I, I did participate in that one. That's wild. That. Just imagining, like, having an original idea and being like, you know who can bring this to life? Middle schoolers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Anyway, what are you nostalgic for? Classic iTunes. Yeah. (laughs) Man, yeah. I mean, I don't know if iTunes even still really exists in the form that we were used to using it. I think it's called music now. I don't think iTunes as like a thing. Yeah, it's Apple Music. But I remember just being so obsessed with curating my iTunes library and um, figuring out how to like torrent music so I could download all the songs and, and CDs that I actually wanted to have, making playlists, adding to those playlists as like songs. I, I used to have... um like a recently added playlist that anytime I like added new things, I would listen to that playlist over and over until I knew all the songs and I would cycle them out. Um, and I was making playlists on classic iTunes up until I want to say 2016. I think mm. when they added Apple music, which was like 2014, 2015, somewhere around there. Um, it broke my iTunes library. Uh, yeah. The, all of the metadata got like screwed up. And it would just change songs that I just had in my library that maybe I torrented, but like before I had connected it to Apple Music, played the songs that I thought they were. And it just started playing like random things, which was really frustrating for a lot of reasons. But uh, and that's like the main reason that I switched to Spotify was just because I was like, if all my music's mixed up and none of my playlists are doing what I want them to anyway, like, let me just start over with something new that doesn't make me viscerally angry every time I use it. But I just really miss the way that iTunes was such a, like, weird and useful tool for, like, children. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I feel like the way that, like, our generation, like, millennials use um, iTunes and make playlists and burn CDs and all of those things that you could do with iTunes was just, like, so special and, and different and, like, new. And we were learning how to do it so young. And it just was, um, I, I miss that. I just miss it. It's yeah. a, streaming is such a different like experience than than using iTunes was, and I, I think that's like a complete special little time capsule that doesn't really exist in the same way anymore. Yeah, I mean, because you did have to pay for the songs and or the albums, or if you right. did YouTube to MP3 and just yeah. 
cheated the system or the free version. Yeah, we're getting the free versions, burning them. <laughs> and torrenting. All yeah. the ways you can get music. All of the ways that you can do it. LimeWire, baby! I think what was also wild and crazy to think about was because it was online too. The way that Apple looks so sleek and futuristic yeah. compared to any other browser or app or anything at that point in time. Not even that they had apps, but well, I mean, they kind of did whenever kind Apple of. started doing things online. Yeah, but it was like different. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't get it. <laughs> it's a different time. <laughs> but it's just, it felt so new and cool to actually do it and to be in charge in that way that you were talking about and actually mm-hmm. being able to curate it. It's like, this is all me. And I still have, I think on my mom's computer here um i'm in michigan <laughs> um i don't just have my mom's computer with me <laughs> <My> mom- <laughs> <laughs> but i she has an old desktop from like 2012 and so she still has classic itunes on it it works horribly but she still we still get the playlists and everything and we can still access them on our uh smaller ipods and so it is fun yeah. But different because it's, yeah. I know that I can't do anything with it. Like we can still access it, but I can't technically use it right. um, in the same way because all of streaming exists and it's terrible. But I miss it too. <laughs> yeah. What a time, man. What a time to be alive. Anyway, do I get into it? I would love to. Season four, episode 20 is titled Security Guy. The episode aired on April 4th, 1997. It was directed by Jeff McCracken and was written by Stephen Hibbert. The synopsis is, after getting fired from Alan's store, Eric gets a job as a security guard, while Mr. Feeney becomes concerned that Eric is wasting his potential. Oh, only Mr. Feeney? <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> That's very fun. Okay, so the first scene, we are at the Matthews store. The store is closed, but Alan notes excitedly that people are lining up outside. The long and short of this is that Eric called Hollywood, like it's a name, uh, and arranged all of them to meet TV's bear. He gestures to just a, a fully real bear sitting on a pedestal with a handler nearby, like watching him. The handler turns to them and we see that he's fully missing an arm. Handler says he likes to take care of business up front. Alan says, oh yeah, what did my partner and uh, Miss Hollywood agree on? I hate that. <laughs> the handler says $2,500 and Alan's like, that's a lot of money. He says, well, this is not just any bear. It's a TV bear. Alan <laughs> says, well, there are a lot of people outside, so... I guess if everybody leaves with a pair of socks, we're okay. The handler's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The plan isn't to have all those people come in here, is it? Alan's like, well, yeah, that's the plan, is to have all those people come in here, meet the TV bear, and, you know, buy stuff, buy lots of stuff. Handler's like, that's not going to happen. This bear can't be around people. (laughs) Alan says, that's a TV bear. Isn't it trained? Handler goes, you can't train a bear, which is so great. Alan tells Eric to fix this, and he says to the handler that he's seen this bear on Little House on the Prairie. Handler says, well, sure, he's great with little children. Eric turns back to Alan, who says, okay, fine, so we can have the little children come in and play with the bear. And Handler says, oh, I wouldn't do that. Didn't your partner fill you in on any of the particulars? Eric just looks very guilty, and Alan says, no, no, we didn't. Handler continues, well, first, we need another 2500 for the female bear. Alan says, Eric, you cost me five grand. Fix this. Eric kind of wanders over to the bear and says, yeah, but dad, we got a bear. It's a gentle, meek TV bear. The bear then stands up to its full height and roars in Eric's face. They all scream and the handler's like, you've done it now. It goes to like rustle the bear. Alan says, Eric, get out of here. Eric is still disheveled from being roared at and says, why I work here. Alan says, not anymore. And that is the end of the scene. (laughs) 
Oof. What a what a weird opening. What a weird opening. I, I just love it's like having a TV bear of all things. That's yeah. just a very a very strange idea is a TV bear. <laughs> and also like you can't train a bear. There's a a real bear in this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah. It's it's, I trained. cannot stress enough. It's an actual real bear. This is not a mechanical bear. They got a bear for this. <laughs> the handler, I think it's so funny. As soon as he turned around, I'm like, yeah, clearly that arm is 100% missing in real life. <laughs> yeah, his shirt sleeve is just like it's pinned, pinned up, up yeah. I guess. And like his arm is definitely inside of the shirt. There's a moment where he runs back to the bear after all of it. And I swear, I kept going frame by frame to try to see if you could see his, his arm. arm like underneath. Because you like you have to pump with both arms oh, when you're running, God. typically. And I think I saw something, but I can't confirm if it was real or not. That's very um, funny. But, I, you know, it's there. So the idea that Alan was <laughs> one of the people saying, just have the children play with the bear. I'm like, Alan, you're a smart guy. What the fuck do you mean? <laughs> Just have the kids play with the bear. Then the adults can buy things. It's fine. <laughs> and also, the whole idea of this is so silly to me because this guy literally brought this bear just to sit inside this place and nothing else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, logistically, that doesn't even make sense. If it's a bear that literally can't be around people, why would what's you put it inside? <laughs> yeah. What's the point of, of bringing the bear anywhere? Literally anywhere. Because mm-hmm. what? <laughs> there's no, there's no, and also where's the female bear? <laughs> Man, that one's not there. Is it in a truck? You're just waiting? Oh, it's so funny. And just the shot of the wind in the face. Whenever the bear just screams at Eric, there's just a fan that is being yeah. put into his face. And it's very funny. And very up close. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not an angle that you get often, but it was fun. And I, he got fired. He did get fired. Conflict. <laughs> <laughs> it begins. <laughs> Wonder what this episode is. It's an Eric Golly. episode, everybody. <laughs> it's uh, our favorite, truly. Eric and Sean episodes, top tier. Corey and Topanga episodes, top tier. Corey episodes? Eh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When it's just about Corey, nobody cares. <laughs> it's kind of just a normal show. And then when everybody else has a storyline, they're yeah. really interesting. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. And I feel like, because there are a lot of episodes that are like fully ensemble based. Like Quiz Show was sort of about all of them, right? Yeah. And it still was very interesting in its premise and like the things that it was quote unquote teaching. But like when it's really focused on one of the like, more conflict-ridden character. Like, Corey doesn't have any adversity. <laughs> yeah, Corey's had a normal life. Yeah, and he's just he's like He's just a being a whiny teen. Like, that's yeah. where he is now. And so anytime that you see his episodes that are just about him, they're boring. Yeah. And not yeah. boring. But the thing is, they're also, like, about other people, and then Corey's just observing. Have you noticed right. that? Right, yeah. Like, that's... He doesn't have anything going on in his life to the the same extent that everybody else has in their lives. Yeah. He's just watching. He's just kind of observing. I mean, he's, hey man, he's, he's meeting, he's meeting the, world. the world. He's meeting the world. The world is happening around him and he is meeting it. <laughs> All <Okay>. right. <laughs> so the next scene, we are in the Matthews kitchen. Amy is trying to comfort Alan about firing Eric, saying it's not the first time that he's messed up. And Morgan says, I don't want you to fire Eric. I love Eric. 
Alan reassures her he's not going anywhere. He just fired him from work and she asks if he'd ever fire her. Alan says, never, princess, and kisses her on the head. Amy continues, I just hope he understood you. He knows you love him and wouldn't do anything to hurt him, but there is something called tough love, and he has to learn his lesson. Alan says, I was tough. I made it very clear to him that he was fired. Eric then comes down and starts to head to the back door. Come on, daddy-o, gotta get to work early. Get that bear stink. Amy says, whoa, 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 Eric, are you going to work? And he's like, uh, mom, yeah, put food on the table, keep you in pretty things. Let's go, pops. And starts to head out again before he turns around and says, actually, one thing before I forget, I got to take an early lunch and then not come back at all because I met a really nice girl and I'm going to have a second lunch with her. Working for your dad is so great. He goes to leave again and then Amy says, Eric, you're fired. And he's like, yeah, okay, mom, let's go, pops. She says, no, I'm serious. You're fired. He's like, you can't fire me. You're the mama. I work for the dada. Isn't that right, dada? Alex says nothing, but kind of like side eyes at Amy and then like around and Eric's like, daddy? Dad? And finally, Alan says, says, you really don't help yourself, pal. And walks out, and that's the end of the scene. Boy. I, Real conflict-diverse, this guy. Yeah. I mean, very typical of Eric to just not take things seriously whenever they happen to him. Because, you know, that's he has to learn. <laughs> I love Morgan at the beginning just saying, I don't want you to let go or let Eric go. I love Eric. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all she contributes to this episode. <laughs> As if. They're just going to dump Eric out of their lives completely. Yeah. That's just, it's very funny. But I, I like this because this is a moment of Amy having the tough love that we talked about in different episodes, but it's not to the extent of, you know, the long walk to Pittsburgh kind of tough love. Yeah. It's like, she this is the normal tough love that Amy gives. And it's mm-hmm. nice to see because clearly Alan is not the one that's trying to do it <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or like be the enforcer. But Amy's like, hey. You have to realize that this is a real thing and we're not just making this up. Yeah. But the line the line that got me about this was Alan actually saying, you really don't help yourself. Mm-hmm. If, a, if a parent told me that, that would also just be a bummer. <laughs> I think in the context of him literally being like, actually, I have to not do my whole shift today. And also, I'm not fired. That's insane. Like, I work for my dad and blah, blah, blah. It's yeah. like, you're, you're not helping yourself in this situation. Yeah. It's just, he said it in such a dramatic way. He did. And then he left the room. Yeah. <laughs> That's like Feeney saying, like, I walk out on you. Like, yeah, I choose yeah. to walk out. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's 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 a weirdly intense moment for him to just, like, because he leaves, leaves. Like, he goes to work. And yeah. Eric's just standing there with the, his mom and his sister. And it's like, <laughs> okay, I guess we're done. I just also like that they are being serious about this in this moment that he is fired and it wasn't just a fluke. It's like, Hey Mm -hmm. bud, you did a really dumb thing Mm -hmm. and you cost me a lot of money, even though you work for us. Like it is a family thing. Yeah. That's still not okay. (laughs) So I like that they kept it. Yeah. Okay. So the next scene, we are in the Matthews living room. The trio are studying and Sean hands Corey a list of colleges. He says, that's where I want you and Topanga to go. Even if I'm not going to college, the three of us should still be together. And that's just the cutest thing in the world. Corey starts to read the list. Okay, University of Italy. Ah, good old you of it. Sean confirms, <laughs> yep, you guys at the books, you're studying hard. Meanwhile, I'm out in the sun taking tourists around in my big canoe. Tobago corrects him, it's called a gondola. And he says, and that's why you're going to college. And he gets up to leave. Corey stops him, come on, you've worked too hard to throw it away now. Okay, buddy, why don't you take the SATs? I bet you'll do really well. Sean says, fine, fine, I take you a little test. What's 10 minutes of my life, right? Tobago starts, 10 minutes, Sean, they take at least. But Corey's like, ah, shh, shh, shh. 
Sean, listen, I bet if you take these review course, you can knock them out in five, Slugger. Sean says, no, too much school, too much feeny. Bye-bye. I am going canoe shopping. He leaves, and there's like a transition, but we'll call that a scene. I love that Sean just has a list ready to go <laughs> where he <laughs> wants them to go. <laughs> it's very cute. It's like just the idea of all three of them still being together. Yeah. Um, which it's it's hard whenever you do go to college and then you know, if you have friends from high school and then everybody goes elsewhere. Mm-hmm. None of my friends went to U- UIC. Well, one of them did, but after, it was like three years after we graduated. Yeah, she didn't I mean, start there. I, I was lucky. I had a few high school friends that still came to college with me and that was nice that we all went, but there were like some of my best friends did not and yeah. just being apart is very weird. So I just, I think it's cute that Sean was just thinking about the three of them but the fact that he had the university of italy um <laughs> i'm curious if that's a real school <laughs> but i love Corey. just good old u of it <laughs> good old u of it i'm looking it up uh, it's not <laughs> i didn't think it was <laughs> i don't think you can, a university for a whole country i just realized it's not a thing <laughs> Oh, that'd be like, like USA College. Yeah, University of America. <laughs> don't give them ideas. I don't need that. God, imagine. Oh, man. There's obviously lots of colleges in, in Italy, Italy. But there's not a single. It's also I mad funny myself because... that I even had to look that up. I didn't think about it literally at all. Well, it's funny because he's thinking of gondolas and everything too. So like Venice, but Venice, just yeah. just equating that to all of Italy. All of Italy, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, but I like that this this is a theme throughout the rest of the episode, just as a spoiler, but Corey trying to get Sean to take the SAT. And I just love this little like we're not actually telling him the truth about it. We're just really <laughs> trying to coax him to do it. And just do it, yeah. I love it. <laughs> It's very cute because you can tell that it's like the one of the things where Corey is like trying so hard to get his friend to like achieve just like a little bit more because he knows that he's capable of it. And it's it's very cute because Sean's like, no, I want to do it. And and eventually, like, spoiler alert, he relents. But it is it is very funny, like all the ways they're trying to trick him into going to well, in the fact the that things. it's something that Corey himself is thinking about because Topanga's like, what? And yeah. he just, like, he tries to get her to go along with it and is like, just mm-hmm. play along. Like, it's <laughs> <laughs> like he knows how to speak to Sean to get yeah. him to want to do it. And I love yeah. that. <laughs> okay, so the next scene, we are back in the Matthews kitchen. Amy and Alan are talking and he says that there are so many times that he should have fired Eric but didn't. I would have been admitting that I was a lousy boss or worse, a lousy father. And he says, how can you look at Corey and Morgan and think you're anything but the best father? Which I think is a wild thing to say about two of your three children. It's like, maybe you failed one of them, but the other two are great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't think of that until you just said that. It's weird phrasing. Like, she could have just said, how can you look at your kids? But she's like, just these two. One, you did screw up a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Which is weird because intense. then that's also equating to your parenting amy right right <laughs> and you all it's, you both love eric that's been established it's, so a, it's many weird times. it's just like a weird it's a weird line anyway 
Um, he says, then why am I having such a difficult time with Eric? It's not like I did anything different with him. And she's like, we did everything different. We both did. He's our firstborn child. We coddled him. He's like, I didn't coddle him. She gives him a look and he continues, Eric's very different than Corey and Morgan. He needs to be protected. She asks, you really think that's going to help him? And he firmly says, yes, yes, I do. She says again, you really think that? He again replies, yes. And she said, would you be willing to listen to someone else's opinion and not overreact? Flip transition to the parents at Feeney's back door and Feeney says, Eric is lazy. Alan replies, George, that's my son you're talking about and gets all like in his face. It's very weird. Corey then walks <laughs> up, first greets his parents, then says to Feeney, you know, the reason I signed up for your SAT prep course is to prep, possibly even review, but you've gone way beyond that, haven't you? And holds up a very thick SAT study book. Feeney says, too much work for you, Mr. Matthews. He says, oh, I'll do it. I'm not afraid of you, Feeney. You remember that when I'm in the kitchen working. <laughs> watching you. He again greets his parents and then gives Feeney a sidelong look and walks into the kitchen. Amy's like, we'll talk to him. He shouldn't talk to you like that. Feeney says, oh no, I like his determination. Corey works hard for his grades. Alan asks, and Eric? Feeney says, Eric could get passing grades in his sleep. In fact, he did, which is a shame, was, oh, words, which is a shame because I'd be hard pressed to come up with a handful of students who are brighter, wittier, or smarter than Eric. Alan says, so you're saying that Eric is smart. Feeney nods and Amy says, good. See, Alan, now we know we haven't come down too hard on him and he is capable of reaching our expectations. Eric then walks out of the house wearing a security guard uniform. Alan asks why he's dressed in a costume and Eric says, it's not a costume, it's my uniform. I finally found my calling. You proud of me? Alan says, you took a job as a security guard? Amy adds, why would you possibly want to do that? And Eric says, oh, only for about 10 different reasons. One, walkie-talkie. Two, partner. Three, dog. Four, partner. Sometimes we switch partners. Five, you want me to keep going? Six, I pack heat. Amy gasps, you carry a gun? And he says, <laughs> nope, heater. It gets cold out there in the shed. Amy says, Eric, you could do anything in your life. And he says, wait, I don't get this. You fire me from one job. I go out and get another job. What do you want? Dad, get her off my back. Alan's like, no, your mother is right. We are tired of you taking the easy way out. From now on, the free ride is over. Eric's like, oh, okay, good. Mom got to you too. That's great. How about you, Mr. Feeney? What do you think? Am I taking the easy way out? Feeney says, oh God, not another question. <laughs> yes, Eric, I do. Eric says, oh, that's great. Well, I'd love to stay here and debate with you guys, but I'm late for work. He turns to go, but adds, oh, and another thing. Don't wait up for me tonight. I won't be coming home. I'm moving out. He takes out his baton, twirls it as he leaves, and that is the end of the scene. These scenes fascinate me. Um, mm. They're really good. So going back to the kitchen, whenever they're talking about Eric being firstborn and the fact that they coddled him, I find that to be, and granted, I don't know their parenting with him, but I find it to be true and false at the same time, just speaking as a firstborn kid. I know. Um, I was thinking about this. I was really excited to talk about this in the context <laughs> of both of us being firstborn children. Yeah. And the thing is, like, yes, whenever parents... And I know with my parents, it's like when you have your first kid, they are this precious little being that you don't want to break, right? Yeah. Like you have a baby, you need to figure out how to keep them alive. And so, you know, you're thinking about every single like edge or thing that goes in their mouth or like mm -hmm. whatever. And that's not always the same with second kids. And I know that mm -hmm. just from every parent that I've heard and also my own like You're it's like just becomes easy more relaxed yeah, yeah because not you easy. <laughs> not easy but like you understand more so like obviously all kids are different but like you understand a little bit more what you're doing and how you parent and so it just is like you just have a better understanding so it's a little bit easier in that sense yeah and I think what is interesting is the 
from the coddling aspect, I know my parents definitely were a little bit more strict, not coddling, but definitely stricter with me when it came to like times out, like whenever I would be out and like my texting or just things. I know that that's like just generational differences between me and my brother, but I feel like they coddled my brother way more than me. Being the second kid. And so that whole argument that they were making, I was like, what do you mean? Because the first one is typically the one who has the most independence. And then like whenever they get older. And so that just, that was definitely interesting to me. It caught my attention. No, (laughs) I fully, I fully know where you're coming from. We've talked about this before, but like, it it does feel very different to me being the, I feel like I had so much responsibility as like a 10 year old. Yeah. That like I was watching my sister all the time. Like we were home together alone up from the time since I was like probably 12 years old onward. Like I was, it was my responsibility to watch and take care of my sister after school. And like, I was also a child. (laughs) (laughs) Insane to think about. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't get a 12 year old off the street to watch your small, like five year old. Like, so it's, it's very weird to think about the like, I'm sure this is true in some ways that like the firstborn was caught. I think if you asked my cousins, I think they would have a very different perspective because my older cousin and my aunt are very close and my younger cousin and my aunt are very, very much not. And, um, or they just have like a very different relationship. I wouldn't say they're close though. And so I think it is really interesting the way that like, I think there's a lot more responsibility placed on firstborn kids from my experience um, and like my friend's experience than, yeah. than is on, like, younger siblings, um, especially, like, the babies of the family. Like, I feel like they're far, far less likely to be, um, or far more likely, rather, to be coddled than than older siblings. But it is yeah. a very interesting perspective here because I think especially the show being about Corey, who is a middle sibling, you do see the ways, I think, in which his parents treat Eric and Morgan differently from him. So I don't know. There's a lot to unpack here, but I also just feel like it, it was very funny for them to be like, oh, we coddled him. And I'm like, I've never once in my life felt coddled <laughs> as a firstborn child. Well, and I'm thinking back to other moments in the show where they're dealing with situations with Eric. And mm-hmm. I don't feel like they've been coddling him at all, no, at least from the time so that either. we've been watching it. I feel like they've been more harsh on him than anything because mm-hmm. they they do see that potential in potential. him. Mm-hmm. And... That just, it fascinates me. Their word choice is so strange. Like, I get wanting Mm. to be protective, but I wouldn't say coddled. And so, what a word choice. Yeah. I will say I think that, especially Eric and Alan, I think even more specifically around Eric and Alan's relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they have always had a more buddy-buddy relationship in Mm -hmm. from what we've seen. And I think that's why they, when they butt heads so um, dramatically in like things with the, like the Weatherman episode, um, it is more intense because they are, I think, a lot closer in in certain ways. But even you look at like his relationship with Morgan at the beginning of this episode, whenever she's talking about, would you ever Mm -hmm. fire me? And he's like, no, I would never. Like the way that he talks to her, that's what I would consider the coddling aspect or just like treating her like she's a princess. Yeah. Because she's also the baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's just interesting. It's very interesting. The backyard. I'm glad that you also thought that it was weird about how he got in Feeny's face. Because <laughs> I didn't necessarily write that as a note. But both times that I watched it, I was like, 
why? Alan, <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> throughout the show, it is sort of a thing that Alan has like vague anger issues. And we see it again, like uh, in, in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's very interesting the way that they sort of never really address that specifically. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, he's kind of, he's kind of an angry guy, but it's always out of love. So it's fine. But like, I don't know. That's a little scary. <laughs> like, it's a little scary. I'm not gonna lie. And imagine doing that to Feeny of all people. To Feeny. He's never been anything but direct and extremely kind to your kids. Yeah, the disrespect. How dare. Anyway, the way that Corey kind of saunters up casually to them and yeah. calls, <laughs> he says, Mom, Mom Dad, Dad. Feeny. Like, not even Mr. Feeny. It's just like yeah, yeah. making that switch. And I, it's a very funny moment with him. I do think there, the line about Feeny talking about other people, is it not being, I wrote this wrong, but the brighter, wittier, and smarter than Eric. There are few. Oh, few. He, he would be hard pressed to find more students that are. Yeah. Which I, I love that line, yeah. by the way. He thinks so highly of Eric. Yeah. Time and time again. He's always mm-hmm. pulling for Eric and I love mm-hmm. it. But just knowing That's that his best friend, Eric, <laughs> your best friend, uh, he just like knowing that Eric just needs to try and like all of them knowing that he can do well yeah. if he actually tries. No, we see him be like extremely emotionally um, intelligent and very thoughtful about a lot of things. And so like he clearly has the ability and that is a pattern, like despite the dumbing down of Eric that continues as the show goes on, he is always extraordinarily emotionally intelligent. And um, the way that they play on that varies from season to season, but like that doesn't change with him. And yeah. so it's it's very interesting to like know that somebody else sees the potential and let that a lot of people see the potential in Eric. Um, and he just like doesn't see it in himself, like ever. Well, and even in the context of this episode and how he got fired, he actually if things would have been better and he would have like figured out the details and talked to his dad about it, he had a cool idea. Yeah. Like it's just not fully thought out either, Mm -hmm. but it's like, he's definitely thinking in the right ways that he needs to. (laughs) Right. Um, anyway, when he does come out in the security outfit, (laughs) this him lit him making the list is very funny. And I wish that we would have gotten the last two things out of the list because he didn't do all 10. Um, but definitely the, you carry a gun, no, a heater. <laughs> so, <laughs> like literally just packing heat is a great, great little jab. But what I do find fascinating about this is the way that they're all instantly like, is security guard the best job? No, he, but he went out and like had the drive to go out and actually get a new job. Immediately. And immediately. And that was whenever all three of them were saying that he was just taking the easy way out. I'm like, well, he was working at your store to begin with. It's not like he was like had huge, huge dreams and goals. Like from there, he was just working. And so now he's just working somewhere else. Yeah. And so I get, I get where they're coming from with him, with wanting him to do more. But I thought that that was interesting just because he did do something. And then they're like, well, not don't do that thing. (laughs) I, I wonder if like, and I'm just, I'm just forming this in my brain right yeah. now as I speak. I, I wonder if the implication is like, if he was, if he had continued working at the store and been good at it, then eventually Alan would have given him the store, right? The same way that the 
whatever his name was, gave Al the story, like, keep it in the yeah. family, you know? Um, but because he kept messing up, like, that's not a possibility now. Um, or maybe it will be later, I don't know, whatever. But because they fired him because he wasn't good, they were like, okay, so now go out and do something that is, like, meaningful to you. Because you're right, like, getting another, he could have just done nothing. That's but what I he mean. Did, yeah, he did, <laughs> he like, just get been a whole other job. Yeah. So it is, it is really interesting that they're like, you're not doing, you're not doing the right thing in this moment, which for them is like, I guess, take the SATs and go to college, question mark. But yeah. like, he wouldn't have been doing that anyway, if you had fired, if you hadn't fired him from the store. Exactly. So. And it, yeah, I don't know. And it's not like him being a security guard is going to be the end all be all. Like, right. I've had jobs like that, where it's just kind of an interim. And yeah, I, I just need, I need a job right now. <laughs> yeah, and I would rather him, <laughs> I would rather something. Eric just actually be working and doing something while trying to figure it out too. It was such a good, just a, a knee-jerk reaction immediately being like, what? Not you that. You could do anything in your life. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you would have been like, and I'm being a security guard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, what, what, what I mean, do you he really want? was. He was like, you fire me from one job, I go out and get another job. What do you want? Like, yeah. that's, I think that's a fully fair argument. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, weird. But I love Feeney's reaction of just like, oh, God, not another question. <laughs> not another question. He's like, please. I, I, it would have been so funny if they had, like, tried to ask Feeney a question and you just see his door closing as he's <laughs> already back in his house. That would have been really funny. Yeah, like, please don't keep me in this conversation. I do not want to be here. <laughs> yeah. Like, or, or I already said my piece and also Alan got in my face. So I'm kind of done with this. Right. I don't I'm, need I'm this anymore. This <laughs> I'm bored. I don't want to be here anymore. Um, so the next scene, we are in the school hallway. Corey and Topanga commence a ruse as Sean opens his locker nearby. Corey asks Topanga a tough SAT question, quote unquote, which is just which one of these does not help you make mud, dirt, water, or turkey? Sean nearby answers, turkey. And Corey says, correct. Stefanga turns and says, wow, Sean, I didn't even know that one. Sean's like, that came from Feeney's prep course. And Corey says, well, it was only one of the tougher ones. Feeney, who's been nearby, now walks over and says, let me see that book. Corey stands up and says, see, it's right here. After the question, which is sweeter, sugar or salt? Sean answers again, sugar. And Topanga's like, wow, two in a row. Maybe looks for his glasses as Corey says, see what we're doing, Mr. Feeney, is, is trying to show Sean that through your review course, a student builds a certain level of confidence through a series of not quite questions, which is a very confusing sentence. Sean asks, it's really this basic? And Feeney says, Sean, I don't want anyone misleading you. My prep course involves a lot of hard work. Sean's like, well, then I don't want to do it. And Corey says, but it's fun. Topanga jumps in, tell him, Mr. Beattie, tell Sean about the carnival-like atmosphere of our prep course so that Sean will join us. Feeney says, no. (laughs) (laughs) Corey says, quieter now, just him. Come on, Mr. Feeney, if Sean doesn't get into college, he starts washing windows, playing ladle, then he loses all his teeth, become a ward of the state, and moves in with you. Which is a stretch. Feeney (laughs) thinks about this and says, well... If I tell him about the uh, cake, <laughs> well, then everyone will want to take the class. Sean says, cake? And Feeney replies, yes, cake. Delicious cake, actually, from the um, Westchester Bakery is where we get the cakes. It's uh, where we get them. <laughs> Sean says, really? What else? Feeney goes, what, cake's not enough? <laughs> Sean looks confused. And Feeney relents, fine. Uh, and then we have... Uh, talent show some nights <laughs> and 
Sean says, that's amazing. Corey, why didn't you tell me any of this? Phoebe starts, uh, Mr. Hunter, in between all the hoopla, there will be learning going on. Sean says, yeah, 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 cake, right? And Phoebe says, yes, cake. Sean walks away and Corey thanks Phoebe and says, you did the right thing. And Phoebe replies, I suppose. After all, what good is it if you can't get the butts in the seats? He walks into his classroom and that's the end of the scene. I love this scene. <laughs> it's so funny. He has such good timing with the way he's like making up cakes and Westchester Bakery. It's really, really well done. I love, love, love Bill Daniels. I just love like Corey's trying to help out so much and I love it. And to the point with the best part with getting Feeney involved in it is that then whenever Feeney says something is going to be there, it will have to be there because he's yeah, the one that's running Feeney. the course. And so yeah. it wasn't enough. Like the, the line where he just starts introducing cake is so funny <laughs> because he's like, well, the cake. The cake. <laughs> but the fact that then he promises a talent show is <laughs> Like, could have just been any little thing. But now you got to do a full-blown talent show on some of the nights. Not just one night. Just some of the nights. Um, some nights, yeah. Multiple. <laughs> but I, yeah, I just love the, all three of them now teaming up. I was just really excited. And it's this is fun. a callback to something that was said a couple episodes ago whenever they mentioned cake. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> they really followed through. That's probably one of my favorite things with the continuity with this season yeah. and just how certain themes are, you know, Bouncing ideas back, yeah. just keep coming back. And it's so funny. This it's one's so cute. little. Like, you don't think that that's serious whenever they say it in a couple of lines. <laughs> and all of a sudden it's real. <laughs> yeah, it's right there. I said that too. I was like, cake, cake comes back. There's a, there's a whole thing with cake <laughs> in context of the SATs. Yes. It is very interesting though, because I think, I think that episode... It's I, the the continuity in terms. You were just talking about the continuity of the cake, but like the continuity in terms of like when they are actually studying for the SATs and when the test actually is. Because in the in the Uncle Daddy episode, they were like two weeks from Saturday. Who knows what day that is? And then there was quiz show, and then there was this. So and that just speaks to like production order and stuff. But like it is it is very funny to be like I think they didn't want to have two Eric episodes in a row. <laughs> you know valid from their perspective but yeah. i would like to eric episodes in a i row. would love to eric episodes the thing with the the continuity too and what i love is that i said this back in that episode too but Corey is also trying to get eric to realize his potential and keeps encouraging yeah. him with the sats and i just love that you know it's getting brought back up in a way with eric's potential i mean mm-hmm. i love that it comes back up again yeah in this way mm-hmm and the fact that in between that first episode, when what I meant with like Corey figuring out the language to talk to Sean about taking the SATs, in that episode, every single time that he brings up real things with the SAT is when Sean just leaves. Yeah, <laughs> like, he doesn't has want to be there. And so yeah. he's like, I'm just not going to tell you the truth about the quiz <laughs> until it's going to be the prep time. And I, it's so funny. <laughs> It's like in the in those episodes, he figured out. No, I can't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think now we're gonna take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more security guy after this. Hello, everybody. It's Sid. Welcome to the mid roll, the spot where we do announcements, featured ads, and anything else that we want to talk about. First things first, if you like our show and any of the others on the network, please consider backing us at Patreon.com/slash The Scavengers Network. For just $2 a month, you can get access to hours and hours of bonus content, and every donation helps support us and the network. 
we've mentioned it before, but we are going to have a piece of bonus content that's going to come out, I want to say April. We're recording it at the end of March, whenever we're together, and then we're going to have to maybe edit it, I think. (laughs) I'm kind of just talking about this for the first time with myself and haven't actually prepped this part, so um, most likely April. We mentioned it before, we're going to mention it again. We have new merch in the Scavengers Network shop. If you go on the website and go to shop, click on the Lost Years, we have multiple pieces that are in there now. Uh, so you can browse your browse your heart out, <laughs> is what I was going to say, and that just sounds wrong. This is a really chaotic mid-roll already, so I apologize for that. It's been a day. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, we're really proud of the pieces of merch that we have out and would just love to see them out in the world. So pick yourself up something nice. I know that there's a promo code that's happening for the five-year anniversary of the Scavengers Network. Go utilize it. Go get yourself something cool. All right, I'm going to set myself a lofty goal, okay? Next week uh, is going to be post-90s con that Tay and I are not going to, but what will be on the Scavengers Network YouTube is our 90s con vlog. I'm just putting that out into the world so that we can actually release it. (laughs) Uh, And so I'm going to set myself a deadline. And if I do not hit this deadline, feel free to mention it to me online, okay? I It should have been out a really, really long time ago, but uh, I I promise it's going to be out next week. That's my promise to you today. Um, Yeah, I think it's time to get back to the episode now because I have nothing else to say. And, you know... This episode's just a good one, and I'd like to keep getting into it. Once again, just the little mid-roll apology for Tay's mic. We're doing the best that we can with this audio. Uh, hopefully it's working out, but just wanted to remind you that it's still got that slight bit of echo. Um, so if you don't have water nearby, you should go get some. Also, if you need a little snack, go treat yourself because you deserve it. Thanks for joining us. Let's get back to the episode. Scene 2. Flashback. Setting February 2nd. Hey, Colin, I was just thinking about making a podcast where we go scene by scene through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. James, I love that. That is a great idea. I'll tell you what, see if you can flesh it out just a little bit more, and then we'll get back together again soon and talk about it again. Scene 4. Flashback. Setting February 20th. Man, I can't stop thinking about that idea of James's. It was so interesting. I wonder if we could do it in some sort of, like, chronological order. Scene 1. Present day. Setting. March 2nd. Colin, I was thinking about that Marvel podcast idea I had last month. Oh, yes, that idea. Oh, I love it so much. I remember it like yesterday. Scene 3. Present day. Minutes later. God, we were so young back then. It turns out I've been thinking about that podcast, too. Really? What were you thinking? All right, let me paint you a picture. It was a couple of days after President's Day. Scene 5. Present day. Minutes after that. Chronological, huh? That's a pretty good idea. So, like, if there's a flashback, we put it in the place on the timeline that's being flashed back to? Yeah. What, What do you think? I think absolutely. Let's do it. Why don't we call it Timeline Scavengers? Scene 6. The future. Oh, how are we not done yet? That's my secret, Colin. We'll never be done. 
Timeline Scavengers, assembling the MCU timeline forever. And we're back in the Matthew store. Alan is working and Eric comes in in uniform with his partner and says to his dad, it's been a while, huh? Alan replies, about 12 hours. And Eric says, yeah, you know, it seems longer when you're out on your own. He introduces his partner, Roddy Patel. He and Alan shake hands and he compliments the store. I admire anyone who runs their own business. One day I hope to do the same. Eric says, Ronnie's cool. He's letting me crash with him for a little while. Ronnie says, Eric told me about your little family crisis. Very sorry to hear about the mother going insane and throwing people out of the house. Eric tells him to look her out of it and Ronnie walks off. Alan says, you're mad at your mother. Eric confirms and Alan asks, but you're not mad at me. And Eric says, no. And Alan's like, well, you should be because as much as you mess up, I mess up even more. I should have fired you. I should have fired you a million times. Eric's like, dad, dad, he's up. We're friends. Alan says, Eric, you're a goof off. Eric's like, well, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. <laughs> Alan, says, <laughs> Alan says, you want to know what I started messing up? The day you were born, which is an insane way to start this story. That would really, really mess me up. That's like a parent directly telling you, you were a mistake. You were a mistake. It's like, and the, the con- it's just the, the way that that starts. The rest of the story, it makes sense, right? But if you start a sentence like that, that's mean. <laughs> Actually, that's bullying as a parent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so he says, the day you were born, did you know that I was in the, li- in the delivery room? The doctor gave me these rubber gloves to put on so everything would be safe and clean. So I put them on, and you were born, and you were moaning and groaning like you do now. And I did what every father does. I counted fingers and toes, and I looked at you, and you were healthy and vital, and I was happy, and I kissed your mom. Eric asks, why are you telling me this? And Alan says, because it's 20 years later, and I just figured out something. I've never taken off those gloves. I have treated you with kid gloves your entire life. And it's not your mom's fault. It's not Feeney's. It's mine. Eric says, all you did was love me. And Alan says, yeah, and I do. And I love Corey and I love Morgan. But because you were the firstborn, I loved you differently. I let you get away with stuff. I let you take advantage of me. But I did a lousy job of preparing you for the world out there. And one day I'm not going to be around anymore and you're going to be on your own. And then what? He walks away. We see Eric's contemplative face. And that is the end of the scene. He didn't let Eric meet the world. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why this show's not about Eric. (laughs) He is not the main character. (laughs) He's not meeting the world, actually. Um, Okay, beginning of the scene, Eric coming back and saying uh, that it's been a long time and it has been (laughs) the opposite, um, has the same energy of people coming back to their high school. Uh, <laughs> just trying to impress everybody um, so that oh cracked me God. up that whole line that he said that we talked about it, the rest of the story is great and yeah. how he goes about that but bad way to start bad um, start because that even, was in the first half not gonna lie <laughs> <laughs> I, just the the idea that yeah he I, I, I just love the comparison of he had on the gloves and he's like I never took them off like, I've always just mm-hmm. wanted to be that safe with you. It was a good comparison, a good story, but I don't know. It's it's so weird because as far as the rest of Eric's life, he's not, like, failed as a as a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Or they haven't failed as parents. Like, Eric is still a great person. He just is a little dumb once in a while <laughs> and, like, yeah, has to figure out his life. Kind. But, like, yeah. he is a good person. And so it's weird yeah. to be like, I've messed up your life. <laughs> like... He's actually had a very good life, all things I considered. Think, I think the thing that he he said, I did a lousy job of preparing you for the world. And I don't think that that's true in the sense that Eric is 
very kind, very honest, very like genuine. And like, maybe he's not smart, quote unquote, but he is smart in a lot of other ways that have been proven time and time again. And it's very weird to, to be um, so hard on him about this specific thing when he, for all intents and purposes, is a very, like, he's 20 years old and he was like, well, I don't have a job. I have to go get another job. And he did that by himself without, like, being told you need to go do something else for money. I don't know. There's just, the lesson here is very mixed. And he's also had different experiences where he's learned that, like, he's had a good life or, right. like, has been taking advantage of his life. And so it's weird to just think that all of that was for nothing up until mm-hmm. this moment, like him leaving uh, in the first episode and like not wanting to come back and then realizing that he should come back. And mm-hmm. even in the uncle daddy episode, it's like he went through that whole thing, realized that he can't be a parent yet, wants to work harder. It's like, it's such a weird, it's like all of Eric's lessons are just non-existent. <laughs> yeah. Because he doesn't want to go to college. <laughs> Which is fine. Yeah. That's really what it boils down to. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, Next scene. We're outside of school. Eric and Ronnie are working a beat outside of John Adams with a pretty old looking beagle. It's very cute. Ronnie notes that he didn't know they were required to have a guard dog. And Eric's like, we're not. But I figured with the beat as rough and tumble as John Adams, we could use the backup. Ronnie says he doesn't appear to be very ferocious. And Eric's like, what? He's a trained killer. Isn't that right, Puppy C? You're a trained killer. And he like pets the dog. They sit down on the bench and Ronnie says, I know this is a sensitive subject, but your mother, is she back from the insane? Eric's like, oh, RP, my mom's not insane. Actually, next time we talk, could you keep that between us? Uh, Roddy relents, then pulls out a book and a pencil. So while we wait for danger, will you help me with my studies? Eric says, sure, what do you got? Ronnie replies, I'm trying to get into college, and this is the book that helps you prepare for the entrance exam. Eric's like, wait, I thought you said back home you were like an engineer or something. Ronnie confirms, back home I am, but here they don't know that. I must start over, and I'm willing to. Eric says, wait a second, you've already gone to college and now you want to go again? Ronnie replies, I know it's hard work, but anything of value is worth that hard work. And in this country, there are so many opportunities. Look at you, fulfilling your dream of doing this job. Security guy. Eric says, you think this is my dream? And Ronnie says, it must be. You're doing it. Eric replies, well, look at you. I mean, you're doing it too. You're a security guy. Ronnie says, no, 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 no. I'm an engineer. And soon they will know. They are then started by a noise, and Eric makes a dramatic show of stopping the perpetrator, which turns out to be Mr. Feeney. Ronnie says, if you know this man, I will return to my studies, and sits back on the bench. Eric says, okay, I still gotta do this by the book, so uh, what are you doing at John Adams High School after school hours? Feeney replies, SAT prep course, Mr. Matthews, and judging by the hot bed of criminal activity raging out here, I think your time would be better spent inside with us. Eric's like, take the class? I don't think I'm gonna do that. Feeney asks what he's afraid of, and Eric's like, I'm not afraid of anything. Feeney replies, no, you're afraid of something, and it's stopping you. Eric repeats, stopping me. From what? And Feeney says, from becoming what we all know you're capable of being. Eric rolls his eyes. What what I'm capable of? What I'm capable of? You know something, Mr. Feeney? I'm always hearing that, what I'm capable of. I took the SATs last year, remember? I blew them. Maybe I'm just not meant to be in college. Feeney replies, maybe you're someone who gives up too easily. What'll it be, Mr. Matthews? Who are you? He pats his arm and heads inside. Eric sits down on the bench and then looks at Ronnie studying. We then get a transition to a wordless scene with just music where it seems later and Eric walks up to the same window outside the classroom and sits at the bench against the window as Feeney teaches. He pulls out a mini prep book as he listens. We get a shot of the trio. Sean is happily eating cake. (laughs) Corey glances over to the window, sees Eric, smiles, and that is essentially the whole scene. Mm. Okay, so I need a refresher. Um... Mm. Because I couldn't, you said exactly what happened in the scene in the lines. And then I was like, oh, 
no, I forgot again. Um, <laughs> were they stationed at John Adams or did he just want to go there? Unclear. It seems that they got stationed there based okay. on what Eric said. He was like, if he said with a beat as rough and tumble as John Adams. So it seems to me that they got placed there. So what's interesting to me is that knowing their school, it's nothing like no real criminal activity, quote unquote, like ever happens yeah. or like nothing outside would happen that would warrant a security guard. We've and seen so, one event ever and it was like fully happening. Before. Maybe that's why they have security guards now. I guess. But the idea that Eric kind of nudged it to be like him on that, I yeah. did find fascinating because yeah. I mean, I don't know, even if he didn't know, it's like that's kind of a place that he would like feel comfortable being Right. And I think that that's interesting. And knowing that like Corey is going to be there that night, even if he didn't know that, it's like you probably know that the SAT course was going to happen. Happening. And so yeah. I don't know, just a little thing that I noticed that I thought was interesting. Um, <laughs> but I didn't want to be like, this thing happened. And you'd be like, no, <laughs> actually, I'm looking at what happened. And that actually, is not true. Incorrect. Maybe you should listen back. <laughs> I've had a bit, I've had a long day. I'm tired. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, this character, his partner, is interesting because we were talking about this not on the pod, but like <laughs> while while we were recording this off camera <laughs> um, about the fact that this is a very common thing that if you are out of the country and some like you you come to our country, things don't always transfer, and especially with like professions, like I've mm. seen that time and time again with uh, like doctors or. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, engineer. in this guy's case, an engineer, like anything that uh, is of value elsewhere is somehow not valued here. And Higher education degrees specifically tend to yeah. be like not transfer over, which is such in bullshit. America. Just, yeah, it sucks. Just saying, if this has also been going on for decades mm-hmm. um, and is still happening, and that's just mm-hmm. strange. <laughs> um, considering that we're all connected with the internet now, it's very weird. Yeah, it, uh, yeah. the 90s. But yeah, I mean, I like. I do like the sentiment of anything of value being worth like the hard work. Yeah. Because I mean, even just in hobbies or things that we do outside of work, it's like they take a lot of your time. And if you want it to be better, it's like you got to work at it. And yeah. that's also great. Um, Cause then you can make something that you are actually really proud of. <laughs> like this podcast. <laughs> like this, oh, this little ditty we're doing. We've been doing this for two years now. That's so weird, dude. And it's just getting better. <laughs> if I do say so myself. <laughs> if I do say so myself. But I do, I do think, and I also mentioned this uh, even just now, it's the way that they're talking in this is very pro-America too. Oh, yeah. Just being like, it's the land of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Eh. In this country. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. The 90s. I don't know. I don't. I know yeah, that like really, people still have this perception of it. Uh, of America being like the best country in the world or whatever. Yeah, it's different living here. <laughs> I don't. Um. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't want to get into it. I don't either. <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. Um, I just kind of want to leave so it won't. in his very idealistic mindset that this guy has. Yeah. But I did. I do like his commitment, like him showing Eric. That's important. That it is important because the fact that the line that I love is whenever he says, I'm an engineer and soon they'll know it. I was like, yeah, yeah, get it. I just got (laughs) chills when you said it again. It's so powerful. Yeah. I love that line a lot. I love it. Um, Yeah. And then, yeah, I think I, I like sometimes with Eric and what I've noticed in 
in multiple Eric episodes is like he doesn't he doesn't just get it after the first time that you tell him something. Um, and so for even Feeney at this point to be like, hey, like you've tried and you know that you've tried and we all know that you've tried, but just like keep on trying at it. Mm-hmm. And that's up to you if you want to do it. And let's see where that goes. Yeah. It's such a good way I to mean, end the scene. <laughs> I think a through line of this season, especially since Eric like didn't get into college his first year, like has been for Eric specifically, like, what are you going to do with your life? Because mm-hmm. you have all this potential. You can do this. You can do that. Like, what is it going to be? And it is fun to watch him sort of wrestle with that throughout the season. Um, I think it, I think it makes for interesting television, especially from Eric. We talk about how much we love Eric episodes. And I I think that having his, like, even, even the thing that was like as simple as him doing the like one man show and having that whole conversation with Feeney on the stage at the end. I know. Right. (laughs) And uh, I just thought about it because when it was like, when they had, he was like, you're not going to tell me to get a college education. He's like, what about my career as an actor? Get a college education. Like, I think that that it's been, it's been a through line for him. And I think that it's really fun to, I think watch him sort of slowly realize what everybody has been telling him that like he can do it if he tries. Mm -hmm. I just think that the way in which they are reacting to this specific choice of his to like be a security guard, at least for now, is a little. (laughs) Because it's not like they had the same reactions whenever he was doing everything else this season. Like even up to the point of him dating Kelly, like, yeah. And potentially coming a dad like that. That kind of seemed like his own his own choice. <laughs> he said that they were all over him about it, but we never saw it. Yeah, we saw one weird interaction with the like four of them, five right. of them, and that was essentially it. And then he came to that decision on his own with like right. all all that Alan's and was like, "Well, maybe you are ready to be a dad." And he was like, "Actually, no, I'm not. <laughs> and I'm gonna go do something else." Now. No, um, yeah. Yeah, and I kind of like it because I feel like with some sitcoms, not all sitcoms, but there, with some sitcoms in particular, the whole point is, like, you you have this one instance, we're going to learn this lesson, and then that's it. And yeah. what I like about this and, like, this whole, how you said the through line with Eric, is that he is just growing the entire season. And mm-hmm. it's fun to look back whenever you're at these later points and see exactly, like, okay, there was this and this and this and this. And he has mm-hmm. been told every single time. Um, but it's like, now it's actually him trying to do something about it. And the fact that it's also this one guy coming in as an outside perspective and saying like, I've already done this. I'm doing it again because that's how much like I do care about it. That's how important I think it is. Yeah. And to then have that like extra kick in the bud from Feeney right at the end of like, and you should do that too. (laughs) What do you want to do? What'll it be? (sighs) So it's really well done. Um, Okay. Next scene. Quick but lovely. We're in Feeney's backyard. The trio are at his oh, door wait, and wait, Corey... Wait, wait, I forgot about the other part. <laughs> oh. Whenever it's we'll just cut all of that. Yeah, sorry. Um, the, the last part that I do love is the fact that he just comes back outside and the fact that no dialogue is needed. It's just yeah. the music and like him actually coming to this realization and studying from outside was so sweet. Um mm-hmm. And the fact that one Sean has the cake is really funny. <laughs> he looks so happy. He's so um, happy. But the fact that, again, Corey has believed in his brother multiple times this season and like believes yeah. in his potential and like him looking, like them making eye contact and just smiling at each other is so good. And mm-hmm. I love it so much. 
that's all, all I wanted to say. But I did love that little bit, and yeah, I had it split sweet. in my notes, so I completely forgot. But I was like, you did, yeah, because it. <laughs> it's technically a second scene, but it's like yeah. it's so fast. <laughs> yeah, it's really fast. Um, okay, next scene, another quick but lovely scene. We are in Feeney's backyard. The trio are at his store, and Corey is knocking aggressively. Feeney comes out and says, "What in heaven's name?" And Corey says, "Mr. Feeney, we've got a few issues to discuss with you." Sean says, "Yeah." Topanga says, "We just came from taking your SATs," and Sean adds again, "Yeah." Feeney asks. How'd you do? And Sean again says, yeah. Corey and Tobago give him a look, but Corey continues. That's why we're here, sir. For more years than I can care to remember, you have drove us nuts by filling our heads with dates and ideas and numbers and concepts. Tobago says, yeah, these last few weeks with that course of yours, drilling us, pushing us to the edge. Sean adds, yeah, and making me eat cake. Five pounds right here, baby. You're like fat to stomach. Corey says, and now that it's all over and we've taken the test, we had to come here and tell you to your face. Sean continues. Thanks a lot, man. Corey continues. We finally understood why you... I almost made my... I, no, no, no. Uh, this, is, this is the moment that I first cried in this episode. Like, yeah, up I'm saying bit. it now. Oh, man. Um, Sean continues, thanks a lot, man. Corey adds, we finally understood why you push us so hard. Topanga finishes, we're really glad you did. They all smile and walk away. Corey's stopping before he goes to grin extra big at Feeney. He watches them go with a little smile of his own. And that is the end of the scene. God, this one's so cute. <laughs> the fact that they all went to him and said thank you thank you it's so good and granted this is also funny because they know exactly where he lives (laughs) but like can't imagine doing this as a my own yeah (laughs) like with any of my own teachers to their houses like maybe at their classroom but they went to their house um his house is very funny uh but makes sense i told tay this the end is just the end of the season is just banger after banger (laughs) It is. And this is like, especially this episode and, you know, the others ahead, but mm-hmm. even like the past few. I've just, yeah, all been great for these little moments that I love. I, I've, I've been saying, like, the seasons just get better. And they, they always, I feel like, we talked about this obviously, but like, they always really, like, the end of the season always is like so tight and so interesting. I feel like that's been consistent throughout like the last, like, four to five episodes are all so so good and interesting i feel like that's because they need to also hook people into coming back to the next season yeah yeah. because they're like let's just give them all of these great moments let's make Mm -hmm. them cry (laughs) (laughs) let's make them laugh let's (laughs) give them the drama (laughs) we know they'll love it they'll just eat it up nom 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 (laughs) um (laughs) but i love i love the three of them leaving and i love Corey. Like coming back to or looking back to smile, but I love especially Feeney just smiling back at them when they don't know mm-hmm. that he's doing that. Yeah, it's so subtle. It's so nice. <laughs> it's so sweet and so gentle, and I love it. It's delightful. Oh. Okay, next scene. Matthew's store. Eric comes in, and Amy is working. He greets her and says, "You fired me." She replies, "I did." <laughs> he says, "Well, um, then I guess I deserve to be fired because I know how much you love me, and I know it must have been really hard for you to fire your son." I'm just sorry I let you down. And she thanks him and he continues, and you, to Alan, who has now walked up, you said something wrong to me. Alan goes to Amy, I was a good guy in all of this and you turned it around, didn't you? Good for you. He kisses her <laughs> and Eric continues, see, you said to me that there would come a time where you weren't going to be around anymore and that's not so. Alan interjects, but he says, no, 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 dad, I remember everything you taught me and I'm going to turn around and I'm going to teach that to my children. So you see, dad, you're always going to be around. Alan sort of checked up, says, chucked up, choked up. <laughs> Got me fucked up. Um, says, thank you, Eric. 
Eric Denise. And I remember that one of the things he taught me was that I could be anything I wanted to be. Alan confirms and Eric says, do you still believe that? And Alan replies, yes, I do. If you don't take the easy way out and you try as hard as you can. Eric says, well, I hope you're right because I tried as hard as I could. He takes an envelope out of his pocket and puts it on the counter. Amy reads it surprised, SAT scores. And Alan asks, you took the test? Eric says, I did. And I thought we should all open it together. Alan says, okay, here we go. As Amy opens the envelope, Eric adds, I didn't take the easy way out. I, I tried as hard as I could. Amy reads the letter and repeats, you tried as hard as you could. And he confirms and she says, well, it's a good thing you're not working for your father anymore or I'd have to fire you. She puts the letter down and he says, what? And she says, 1120, that's 200 points higher than last time, Eric. He picks up the letter as Alan comes around the counter and says to him, kind of choked up, I'm very proud of you. I'm very, very proud of you. He hugs Eric and continues, I knew you could do it. Eric's just been kind of shocked this whole time. And finally he says, I knew I could too. They double high five and that is the freeze frame on which we end the episode. Proper. Oh my God. Yeah. So this is the other scene that made me cry. If you couldn't tell, <laughs> I feel like started tearing up when you were even saying it again. I know. <laughs> Specifically, I was trying to get through saying it and I was like, I I love it so much and I'm stumbling over all of my words. It's just him immediately coming in and just kind of putting everything on the table and just saying like, I get it. I know that mm-hmm. this was hard and, and apologizing. Hey, yeah. Apologizing and also kind of being grateful about it. Yeah. Um, that they gave him that push and it like kind of shows his growth and I just love it. But the him talking to Alan specifically and just saying, I remember everything that you taught me, so you see you're always gonna be around, like <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> it's beautiful. They they really some of these lines are like almost sleeper in how like quiet and brilliant they are. Yeah. It's it's really phenomenal. Well, and it's this is where I think that Eric's character is so interesting and how you're talking about his emotional intelligence because yes. he is such like a ditzy character mm-hmm. for most of just the normal scenes. Right. And he's the funny mm-hmm. character for a lot of moments um, where like he kind of needs to be that relief. And then there's things like this that he takes to heart the fact that his dad said like, I'm not going to be here forever. And you know, then what are you gonna do and it's like no but you like you're gonna be with me yeah and that like everything's just gonna be passed down is so that's such a thoughtful thing to say to somebody (laughs) he's got high wisdom and low intelligence scores (laughs) (laughs) in D&D terms the thing is he either crits or he rolls like that one yeah there's there's no in between yeah no fiddle sliders for Eric it's really fun (laughs) but yeah and then just the one of the things he taught me is that I can be anything I want to be. And the fact that he just willingly decided to take this test, like he hadn't been yeah. studying for too long, but was like, you know, what? if I commit, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And he took it and he did better. And all of their reactions good. are so good and just so nice. And the fact yeah. that Alan is like choking up at the end about it and is just saying, I'm very proud of you. That's something that you want to hear all the time, but especially for yeah. parents. Like, yeah, I don't, just a nice thing. And them just, being so happy at the end with that being the freeze frame a great way to end this episode i love this it's very sweet (laughs) the audience is applauding it's so lovely a plot b plot solid like solid they they knew it solid and fun yeah um okay end credits we are back in the backyard eric comes out of the house holding a book and walks into phoebe's backyard and starts phoebe calling him phoebe eventually stumbles out of his house in his robe and says hi it's me eric what are you doing now It's me, Eric. <laughs> I love that so much. I forgot 
glad he said that until I read it. <laughs> Petey says, well, I was sleeping. It's something I've gotten accustomed to in the middle of the night. Eric says, that's cool. Um, Get dressed and starts looking at his book. Petey says, are you crazy, man? And Eric replies, yeah, I am. See, I got this book of colleges and I need you to help me pick out a good one. So come on, get dressed. Feeney says, first thing in the morning, we'll go a college pickin'. Eric's like, no, 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 Mr. Feeney, I really need your help. Those spaces, they're filling up fast. How about Pembroke? Reading his book. Feeney thinks and says, well, actually, that's a very good school. Eric asks, how about Harvard? Any good? <laughs> Feeney relents. All right, put on the coffee. I'll meet you in the kitchen. Eric starts to head back to his house, but stops and says, hey, Mr. Feeney, I heard you told my parents you thought I was smart. Feeney nods. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't Feeney nods and Eric says, just knowing you said that was worth about a thousand SAT points. They <laughs> smile at each other and that is the end of the episode in full. Are you ah! kidding me? This whole scene. <laughs> Not only do one, you get a wonderful Feeney call from Eric. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. He's like screeching at him. He's it's really yeah. funny. Um, you get Feeney just, the way that he runs outside is also very funny. <laughs> He looks he's so like startled. He's so disheveled. <laughs> um, but he's still wearing full Paisley pajamas. So you have you have the Feeny call, you have that, and then you have it's me, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> it after it, after it. <laughs> it's such a good scene. Um the fact that he's already looking at schools just He's yeah. in the middle of the night. He's just like, like reading through everything and is already. It's the same day he got his results. Yes. Because he's wearing the same shirt. And he's just, he's jazzed. He's excited. Um, This is what they've been wanting the entire time from him. And this is happening now. Granted, it's in the middle of the night. The fact that he explains this to Feeney and then Feeney says, go put on coffee. Like, I'll be in the kitchen. I love their friendship. That's his best friend. (laughs) I love their friendship so much. Eric and Feeney are best friends. Bar none. (laughs) It's just, it's so kind. I love that. And I love that he... Again, just like the kids, whenever they come to say thank you for the SAT mm-hmm. uh, prep and everything, he, the that line from him is so golden. Mm-hmm. Just, I heard that you did this, and that means like much more to me. Yeah, come on, <laughs> it's really, it's very beautiful. Thank you, writers, for this one. <laughs> yeah, man, I don't have much to add. I just like love this show man it's great even in the ways that like we are very analytical and pick it apart like it still makes me happier than like most things that I watch yeah I can come out of watching any one of these episodes and I just feel good yeah (laughs) which is exactly what you want from tv personally truly you know some are more darker than others but from like this type of sitcom and especially with the TGIF lineup it's like yeah this is what you want to a T. Mm-hmm. You get that little bit of depth. You get that emotion. <laughs> you get, get that emotion, little conflict. Get the humor. Get the conflict. It's just really well done television. I feel yeah. like I was, I was going to sound like a boomer. They don't make TV like this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they do. Well, yeah. <laughs> just I depends. don't watch it. All right. Well, this is the end of the podcast. Sid has a special guest joining us for the end of the episode. This is my doggy. It's her dog, Dexter. You can't see him. But he is here. But um, I can. He's a pretty kitty. That's what I thought of. Also, the lesson. Oh, yeah. Hey, what's... Hey, nope. Sorry. What was the lesson, Sid? If at first you don't succeed, you try try again. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think all of us have the potential 
in us to do pretty great things and just trying man yeah do your best out there <laughs> do your that? best i'm distracted by sin's dog i That's agree so though cute. look at him he's just getting little screeches he's so quiet <laughs> he barks he starts barking <laughs> no i think he's doing good right now he's looking at the mic though he is now it's the end of the pod. <laughs> now it's the end of the pod. Sorry. I I got distracted from the dog, and so I forgot to do the things that I do. But this is the, the real ending, and here we are, and hello and welcome. Yeah. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The Lost Years Pod. We share fun memes. We share when the episodes drop, and we also ask what you are nostalgic for. And I did ask last week, mm-hmm. um, what was your first theater experience? And I got a couple responses, so thank you. Thank you. Um, first comes from at Cal's Calzones, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Said the first musical I was ever in was Aladdin. I was eight years old and played guard number two. The first Broadway <laughs> musical I ever saw was Wicked with Adina and Kristen, and it spoiled me on every other musical ever. Did I know that? I feel like I should have known that. I was going to say, if you didn't, this is a, a reveal that... I... <laughs> There's no way you haven't told me that in our friendship, as, but I have no memory of knowing that. That is wild. I can't believe you saw it with the original cast. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about Adina Menzel, but I would love to see it with Kristen Chenoweth. And Joel Grey. Oh, my God. That's so crazy. Yeah. Wild. Wow. What an experience. I can't believe you got to live my dream. How does it feel? <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice. Must be um, nice. At Checks 926 said, the first musical I remember seeing was Oliver. It remains a favorite to this day. They're um, redoing, uh, reviving Oliver right now. Are they really? Mm-hmm. And it's actually pretty decent cast. <laughs> Not going to lie. Uh, I think it's at the Kennedy Center is going to be. Oh, everything goes to the Kennedy Center, baby. At Win, Li- Win Lose Tie. I was going to say Win mm. Lies 2. <laughs> That's Win wrong. Lies 2. <laughs> Win <laughs> Lies 2. I'm not sure this was my first, but I remember watching a musical and finding out later that my brother had been underneath a set piece holding it up because the support broke mid-show. <laughs> Which musical, though? Yeah. Uh, that's funny. That, that's a bummer, but that's also funny to be like, wait, you were there? You were there the whole time? I've been here the whole time. Pulling a Sam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we have at Inspector Flora that said, damn Yankees. I did it in community theater with my family when I was too young to get in the double entendres, but just old enough to get interested in Lola. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. <laughs> That's, That's very awesome. good. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you for those submissions. God, I don't, I, I thought about this. And the one that I think I remember the most from being a small child is either Hairspray or Aida. Hmm. Um, I can't remember which came first. There were like three musicals that I saw as like a child. And it was Hairspray, Aida, and Billy Elliot. And none of us understood Billy Elliot. We were all very (laughs) confused the whole time. Um, you have to be a little older to watch Billy Elliot to yeah, get man. exactly what it means. <laughs> but even like my, it was like my mom and my aunt and I think maybe my grandma and it was here in Chicago, maybe touring and we all saw it and we were all so confused. And like, I always liked seeing theater, but I was still a small child. Bill, Billy Elliot's intense, man. I have no idea what that show is about to this day because it's- of that experience. I was like dancing. A dancing child. Yeah, I mean, it's and very... And Tom Holland. It's very pro-union, and then the government strikes down the union. 
Oh, um, okay. So that's why Intense. it's like, yeah, I, I saw it in high school back whenever I was in choir. We would take trips to go see some musicals down in Detroit, mm-hmm. and we saw that. And I love dancing and like dance to begin with. So that one, I was like, yes, everything about yeah. this, it's dance heavy. It's really unique. But yeah, that one is very, very pro workers union. Right. And the fact that the kids, they didn't want to work in the coal mines, essentially. They were getting treated unfairly and very poorly. And so then they stroke, uh, had a strike and everything. And the whole thing with Billy is that like, he didn't want to conform to dance. And so, yeah, it's, it's very deep. Uh, also Elton John. Elton John. Yeah. I did. I, it was, yeah, it was either Hairspray or Aida. We saw Hairspray here. We saw Aida in New York when we went so I can't remember which came first, but I remember Dude, my, me my and parents apparently saw that. My mom just told me that today. They were Anita? also in New York. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. I think that's also an Elton John musical. Actually. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's so good. I really wish they would revive Aida. I really, really, really do. Um, speaking of roles, Idina Menzel has been in that she shouldn't have. Um, <laughs> not, she wasn't, she wasn't Aida, but she was like, uh, I can't remember the, the queen's name, but she was like that girl. But, um, Sherry Renee Scott was the original and I, don't think that's who we saw, but who we did see was phenomenal. We saw Vivica, Vivica Fox? No, Deborah Cox. I think we saw Deborah Cox. I always get the two of them confused. We either saw Vivica Fox or Deborah Cox as the lead role. But we were, me and my sister especially got so obsessed with the music. We would just listen to the CD over and over and over again and make up dances to Aida. And um, it was, it was such an interesting and like stunning and sad. Oh my God, so sad musical. Um, it, like giving Romeo and Juliet, but um, so many people die at the end. Yeah. Also, in the same way. Um, but it's really beautiful and really wonderful, and uh, just like a gorgeous little show. Hell yeah! What was your first one? My mom had taken me to see um, Wizard of Oz back mm. when it was touring, and um, Mickey Rooney was in the touring cast, and so that was Ooh. a really unique little experience. Mm. Um, I think he was the wizard, so that was pretty neat but the one that i remember like i remember seeing wizard of oz because the way that they did the tornado and everything was also really cool yeah but annie was one that we saw that i really remember um i'm seeing annie next week it's coming next year to uh tpac and i'm really excited about probably the same time production i would imagine yeah um we're also getting hairspray so i'm also excited because i want to see a broadway version of hairspray i think Hairspray was here a little while ago, but it's been a hot minute. But yeah, it was um, it was really fun. We used to just go to like other shows, but those I remember going to see them like on Broadway, and it was a big deal um, yeah. to go to Broadway in Detroit, and especially being really young because it, I was very into the Wizard of Oz movie, um, and so then to see it on stage, it was like, oh my god, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we used to sing Annie all the time in my house growing up after we saw that, and yeah. So that was why whenever we were at the Museum of Broadway and I saw that little thing, I was like, oh, <laughs> just the little nod to it is very cool. <laughs> God, that museum was so cool. I'm really glad we did that. Yeah. That I wish so we could have been there for longer, but I it know. just, it gets me to want to go back, which is also fun. Mm-hmm. You know, their whole very goal cool. is to get me back. <laughs> Always goal to go back to New York. Always. Well, thank you for those submissions. Very much appreciate it. Um, if you want to tell us what your first musical or theater experience was, feel free to email us at thelastyearspod at gmail.com. We'll read your email on the show. You can also write us, 
write us, you can rate us and write a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you get podcasts, good pods, Spotify, all those good places. It really helps us out, helps you find the show and tell a friend because it's the best way to help a podcast that you love grow is to share with your pals. Um, and we appreciate you. And we're still going to read any reviews that we get. Mm-hmm. We're going to do that. I keep checking. We haven't gotten anything new. But if you want us to shout you out on the show, feel free to leave us a review and we'll do that. Hell yeah. And thank you to the Scaveners Network for having us on the network. You can check out other how you can check out other <laughs> cool shows <laughs> like Timeline Scavengers and Blinking You'll Miss It and www.scavengersnetwork.com. I try to make sure that I like give yeah. the proper I feel like some people's I do all the time, but it is just because it's a smaller network. <laughs> yeah. So I'm yeah. like, no, it's fine. Just keep we cycling through. We cycling through. Yeah. Um, if you want to find me on the internet, you can find me on all socials at Taycro and Twitch at switch.tv slash it's Taycro. Um, it's Taycro, T-A-Y-Y-C-R-O. I said that weird, but you get it. Um, <laughs> and it's March now. Welcome to March. Women's History Month. So feel free to still give me money. And me now. It's reparation. <laughs> and Sid. Sid can now be included because she is also a woman. <laughs> <laughs> It's hard out there. And I live in Tennessee, so think of me. Yeah. <laughs> think of me finally. She lives in a red state. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can find me on uh, social media, on everywhere, at Sudsley. Um, <laughs> did you black out in the middle of the <laughs> Yeah, I did. I'm so used to saying my different handles. Yeah, this um, is kid. And so now I'm just everywhere on one and I forget. Uh, so yeah, that's Sudsley. Hmm. Hanging, I'm vibing. Hanging and vibing. I have a TikTok in my drafts that I'm like afraid to send its uh, transition to Chrissy Shepeka's I'm So Hot. Mm. And I want to send it. I really do. Do it. I'm just a little scared. Send all drafts. <laughs> I have a breast reduction draft from like my first breast reduction that I should do. You should another... update and do it now. <laughs> I want I want to stitch my old one and be like, just like eating something random and be like, I got another one. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the whole TikTok. That's what I'm thinking of doing. It I'm wasn't enough. It. <laughs> it wasn't enough. Yeah. Anyway, that's the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for hanging out. Take care of yourselves. And until next time. You're Tay. You're Sid. Just like it's always been. What else do you need to know? Goodbye, fam. Goodbye, fam. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven, community-focused, treasured content.